Hey everybody, welcome to, this is the third installment of the Midtown Creep Hall Advent podcast. This is the first inaugural, maybe there will even be more. Uh, but my name is Jeremy Kemp, I'm the pastor of Midtown Creep Hall. And what we've been doing is the, the idea of this project is to take these four weeks of Advent and just ask various members of Midtown Creve Hall to share how they are embracing this Advent tension that we all live in, whether we recognize that we live in it or not. Because the whole idea of Advent is that, as we've been talking about, that we live between the two Advents of Jesus. Jesus did come and he began the work of redemption, but it is not done yet. And that work will be done when he returns uh, and brings all of that glory along with him. But we're not there. And so we groan and we wait, uh, sometimes patiently, a lot of times not patiently, uh, for that fulfillment that we feel internally like this world isn't right. And the reason we feel that is because there is a greater world that is coming that we are made for. Uh, and so we live in this already and this not yet tension. And in all of our vocations and in all of our lifestyles, we're constantly living in that tension. Uh, and sometimes we're doing that well, and sometimes we're not. And so we just want to highlight some places and some people in our congregation that are either themselves uh walking that tension and also potentially in the ways that they are helping others uh, to walk through that tension in their own lives. We've also been reflecting on these four passages in Isaiah that we're also preaching through on Sunday and how those particularly speak to some of that reality, because Isaiah in the very same way is living in that kind of attention. So today uh, we're thinking about Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, and we're doing that alongside our friend, Claire Emmert. Claire, Hi. welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Claire, could you um, take a minute and just introduce yourself, your family, who you are, what's your, what makes you tick? Sure, sure. Thanks. I am from Jackson, Mississippi, and have been here in Nashville since 2003. I um, started attending Midtown shortly after Midtown started. I think Midtown had been at the first Rocket Town building for about two weeks when I started going. Wow. Oh, gee. Yes, <laughs> yes. And actually met my now husband, Dusty, in the coffee line at that Rocket Town. So, <laughs> so yeah. many uses for the coffee line. I mean, good things can happen <laughs> in the coffee line. <laughs> At Midtown, so hooray, <laughs> hooray for the coffee line. Um, yes, so we have three children, ages 13, 11, and 9, mm. and we have been a part of the Midtown Creve Hall congregation since about 2019, right before the pandemic. Um, we switched um, from Granny White to be closer to our neighborhood church. Mm. Um, we live really close to where Midtown was meeting at the time at Granberry Elementary, and our, our kids went there at the time, and we really loved the overlap with mm. the school and the church. Love that. Yeah. Love that. So we've loved being a part of Midtown Creve Hall and just Midtown as a whole yeah. over the years. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, would you mind read, reading our passage? Sure, sure thing. Okay, 
So here we have Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the host will do this. Hmm. Two things especially jump out yeah. at me in, in regards to uh, who you are and what you spend the majority of your time working on as a licensed counselor. Yes. So verse 2 and verse 6. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Yes. And verse 6, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So there's, there's something about the character of God that knows who we are, that sees us in our present moment, in our present darkness, uh, and the variety of ways over the course of our lives that we're going to experience that kind of darkness. And, and there seems to be a sense that he is walking alongside us even now, not only what he will do sort of in the future. So could you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do uh, in your day in and day out life as a licensed counselor? Yes, yes. So Jeremy, I started in the field of community mental health and worked in in that for about eight years and then took a little break after I had my first two children mm. and then started to dream about what it would look like to start a private practice, which is what I'm doing now and have been doing for almost 10 years. Mm. And I mostly work with adults, 18 and older, who um, come in with various um, mood disorders, anxiety, depression, um, interpersonal issues, family of origin issues, mm. grief, and trauma. Mm. So. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of ways that this world breaks us. Yes. And part of your work, it sounds like, is yeah, I mean, in a similar way to the passage, beginning to shed light on some of those places and maybe provide hope in a way that, that hasn't been there. So why would you say, like, what got you into counseling in the first place? Yes, so interestingly, I grew up in an Episcopal church and remember hearing a 
hospital chaplain speak when I was in eighth grade. And something about her work really resonated with me at a young age. And I thought, hmm, I could see myself doing that one day or something similar. Mm. And then in high school, I had some significant losses. And I remember really asking a lot of questions about some of those experiences and wondering um, why some of these things happened and just had an increased desire to understand people and God's creation. Around the same time I was I became a believer. Mm. Um, I mean, I think God was, um, I can see how he was pursuing me my whole life, sure. but I would say my conversion happened later in mm. high school. So, mm. And really as a result of some, some darkness in your own life. Yes. Mm. Wow. So how, how do you see that translating sort of into the work that you do now? How does your counseling work help people who are walking in darkness to see light? Sure. Great question. There are so many different ways that I could answer this yeah. question. Um, so I will, I will share a few um, ways that come up for me. The first one is that counseling, or rather I really see counseling as being about tending to the vulnerable places. Mm. And I love thinking about this in light of Advent especially, because Jesus came in such a vulnerable state as a baby. Mm. (laughs) So it's just such a beautiful example to me of how God really cares for our vulnerability. And in the same way, I do, or a similar way, I believe that counseling is about tending to vulnerable places. And Jesus talks a lot about this all throughout the Gospels and shows some different ways to do this. Um, One of those ways is through care and compassion. Mm. Another way that I see Jesus doing this is through great questions. Um, Counseling is, it's about some good questions and really um, exploring what, what's troubling someone um, and what's bringing someone joy. So uh, it's important to, through those good questions, allow others to be able to acknowledge what it is that maybe needs tending or needs healing. I also believe that counseling is about knowledge. Um, it's about knowing God's design whether I'm speaking directly about it or not. Hmm. Um, it's also about knowing God's world and having an understanding of the sciences and learning from different modalities mm-hmm. um, and through research what is helpful. And there's a lot of good information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that I am particularly drawn to I'll just say a little bit about it. It's the field of interpersonal neurobiology, which is basically an interdisciplinary approach that brings essentially a lot of different fields together in a way to understand the human experience. Um, It was um, founded by Dan Siegel and Alan Shore, their neuroscientist. Some of you may have read some of their books. They're excellent. Um, there's also a man named Dr. Kurt Thompson, who is a man of faith, and he is also a psychiatrist. 
He's written several books and is a speaker. And he has been really helpful to me personally in just forming how I see um, uh, people and um, healing. So I believe that it is important as a counselor to to study and learn. And there are so many uh, great books to read and great podcasts to listen to. So that is something that I really enjoy doing and um, am, am thankful for, mm. just the ability mm. to learn. Yeah. And I will always be learning yeah. <laughs> as a therapist, both from, of course, from scripture and from what God says, but also just from his world and from the sciences. Mm. So. Is there any one insight that you have found to be consistently helpful as you're kind of blending those two worlds of the God's creation and God's wisdom found in scripture, uh, is there anything that has been particularly helpful to you as you work with people, uh, particularly in some of your that interdisciplinary uh, relational work that yes. you've done? Yes, um, I would say just thinking about the value of connection. Hmm. And I, I'm not sure who said it, But the quote, um, we are essentially born looking for someone looking for us. Whoa. Right. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm. And in other words, we're made for connection. Mm. And even thinking about God as a triune God who is in and of himself a relationship. He created us for that relationship with him, but also for relationship with each other. Mm. So I would say I probably share that quote, we are born looking for someone looking for us more than anything else (laughs) in therapy, just with my clients. And it's something that I think about often. So the reality that part of what it may look like to be walking in darkness and, and to shed light on that place. Yes. Maybe inviting someone else into that vulnerable place. Yes. Is, would you say that that's true? Yes. And, and I think a lot of times that can happen through in the therapeutic relationship, mm. just having that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I work with people of faith, and I work with people who do not profess a mm-hmm. faith. Um, but of course, I am bringing my faith with me, whether sure. I'm directly talking about it or not. Yeah, but all of us being made in God's image, yes, still have those same needs, whether we know that that comes from that source or not. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, well, then talk for a minute also about sort of that that second verse we talked about that he his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. How does your counseling work reflect the work of the Holy Spirit? Uh, and of of Jesus himself who walks tenderly uh, with us through this life? Sure. Great question. I thought of a couple of different ways, Um, and this is certainly not not exhaustive, but the first one is surprise, Hmm. that Jesus, I see Jesus in the Gospels surprising people, and I love that about Jesus. Hmm. And I love this about therapy as well. Because, and I'll give you an example of this. Mm -hmm. Let's say someone comes to therapy 
and they've experienced living with an extremely critical parent, it's very likely that they will come into my office expecting me to also be critical. Wow. And there's something really powerful in coming back to therapy and continually being met with a different response. Mm. Um, and hopefully a, a response of compassion and encouragement rather than criticism mm. and contempt or whatever the negative thing mm -hmm. is. And that, you know, even that, that experience of surprise can actually change the brain yeah. and change the yeah. neuro pathways yeah. over time. So I love that. Another way would be that Jesus is hospitable. Mm. I mean, that's evident throughout scripture. Um, in, in my particular practice, I like, I like to create a space of hospitality through the physical office space. A couple years ago, I decided to start bringing my golden doodle to therapy with me. Oh, wow. And have done some training with him around that. Um, but he's really fluffy and warm <laughs> and I think just brings a homey element to my office. I like to say that his fluff absorbs trauma. <laughs> and I, I, That's amazing. I actually think it does. That's amazing. I mean, he is so, his name is Elvis. He's, he's so great. And, and my clients typically love him. Um, Elvis absorbs trauma. Elvis absorbs oh. trauma. He really does. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's precious. And I, I love quotes. And this is a quote about hospitality. I have no idea who said this. I read it in a book years ago about mm. hospitality. But the quote is, gracious inner space gives others room to play, question, and converse. Room to be heard and understood. Room to reveal themselves as they choose. This quote to me represents the hospitality, inner hospitality, or creating space of hospitality mm. for someone's inner world. And then the last thing I thought of was Jesus is creative. And in therapy, as a counselor, I get to be really creative. And I love that because every single person that comes in my office comes with a different story. And I get to engage with that story in a different way every single time. So I love that. Wow. That is so not what I would expect I don't know what I would, I guess I would expect something more clinical, something more, you know, like rote, but everything you just said, surprise, hospitality, creativity, there is this kind of playfulness that comes out of that, that you can, that you're bringing, that's what bringing something from the future, really bringing this new world where surprise and creativity and hospitality will be what we exist with all the time. Right bringing that into this little space in Berry Hill that you've created and inviting people into that, tasting that reality, whether they know that that's the reality to come or not. Yes. That's, that's so cool. Yes. That's so neat. <laughs> yes. Well, the other thing that you cannot see if you're listening to this is that we have in front of us, uh, and you have also seen these if you've come to Midtown Creef Hall over the past couple of weeks, we have these Advent candles 
uh, that we are sitting right in between. And we've got three of them lit because the idea is every one of these that we light, we're walking closer and closer to the reality and the remembrance that Jesus has come in the flesh 2,000 years ago to live and to die and to rise, to bring surprise and creativity and hospitality flooding into our worlds by the power of the Spirit. And he will come again because this world and our own hearts are not what they will be and not what we want them to be uh, and not what our daily experience most of the time is. So lighting these candles is sort of this little bitty memorial to, in a sense, in our own homes to create this kind of a memorial remembrance, a, a place where we can imagine again about who he really is and what he really came to do. So my final question to you as we've lit the pink candle, which is the joy candle, is how does counseling bring you and others joy? Yes, great question. So a verse came to mind when I thought about this question, and that verse is from Nehemiah, and it is the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm. And I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here on this one, but um, strength in this verse is the Hebrew word meaning a place or means of safety, protection, refuge, or stronghold. Wow. And I love this because joy, I really see joy as a resource in counseling specifically as a trauma therapist, mm -hmm. it can be really helpful to help people connect to places of joy first because, of course, trauma is overwhelming to the whole person. Mm -hmm. And it can be overwhelming to obviously go back and talk about those places of trauma so in, in therapy, we use something called pendulation, which is basically shifting back and forth from a predetermined experience of joy or strength back to the traumatic experience mm -hmm. so that the person doesn't get dysregulated and overwhelmed. Wow. So that's the first thing that came to mind when thinking about just joy so you're in like, counseling. Like in a, in a real conversation, you're bouncing between this is, you know, the hard thing that they're experiencing in that traumatic moment as they're reliving that. And then how do you connect them to something joyful and, and bounce? Can you give some sort of like ways? Because that sounds yes. like something you could even potentially do if you're sitting across from a friend or a family member going oh, through totally. something hard. Yes. Yes. Well, Technically, I use something called bilateral stimulation. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's several different ways mm -hmm. that one can use bilateral stimulation just through tapping left mm -hmm. and right, left and right, either on your legs or something called the butterfly hug, which is tapping mm -hmm. left and right on your chest. Or sometimes I use these pulsers that I have in my office. I also have sound that goes from one side to the other. Mm -hmm. And I have a light bar that mm -hmm. you can... I don't use that often, but it can be used. And I um, will typically invite someone to imagine, to use their imagination, maybe even to scan the last week and find a moment of joy mm. and connect to that wow. um, experience. And I'll have them imagine 
what they what they remember seeing, what they heard, what they smelled, if they were eating, what they were tasting, mm. what it felt like in their body, just helping them to connect to that full experience mm. while using the bilateral stimulation, which I can't explain this, but yeah. somehow it helps to really get it in mm -hmm. the brain and the mind and the body. So then when we have that resource established, I can reaccess it mm. when talking about mm. the trauma or when processing the That's trauma. That's so cool. It is and really cool. Is it true too that you could even do that even on your own? Let's say you, you're oh, yeah. dealing with anxiety, depression, whatever the case may be, stuck in kind of that headspace. Isn't it true that that same sensation of bilateral stimulation that you can get even by like walking? Oh yes, absolutely. Walking is a great way mm -hmm. to process through something. I mean, if you've ever heard someone say, I need to go for a walk to clear my head, mm -hmm. it's literal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you actually clear your mind yeah. because neurons from the left and right hemisphere jump over and you have more access to your entire brain. It's pretty amazing. Right? Absolutely amazing. And a lot of therapists will actually walk with clients mm. for that reason. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to add on? Oh, yes. Joy, joy just uh, obviously it is a joy to see people grow. Mm. But I think something that's less obvious that I would like to mention here is just how much being a counselor has changed me. Wow. Just from listening to other people's stories, even though I may not be sharing a lot of my own story, I am sharing myself mm. with people and I am changed by people mm. and by their stories. And many days I will go home and just feel like, wow, <laughs> I feel like a different person wow. <laughs> after what I've experienced today. So wow. it's very meaningful work. And I was gonna read a quote that I was reminded of from one of Kurt Thompson's books. It's called The Soul of Shame. It's an excellent book. And I heard this quote shared on a podcast I listened to recently, and I just thought I would read it here as well. As we tell others our stories, to the degree they are helpfully attuned to us, our story is modified. The very act of attuning to someone non-verbally creates right hemisphere to right hemisphere brain connections that alter the experience in real time. In this way, good listeners energize the storyteller and so encourage the story to be told more faithfully. They also ask good questions and when necessary, limit or redirect the speaker in order to get the best out of the story. Hence, storyteller is much more a dance between teller and listener than it is a monologue. In fact, it is fair to say that the story is what tends to emerge between speaker and listener, both playing a crucial role in its telling. So there is, to go all the way back to what you said about relationship being key yes. in that sort of imaging the wonderful counselor yes. space, that that's not only beneficial for the one experiencing the darkness, it's also changing the other, the listener. The listener. And the right. dance between those two, God is using in that space uh, to create a new two people. Yes. Wow. So cool. Claire, this Enjoy. is so much fun. This it is really fun. was. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for the questions. And Man, thank you for being for here. Doing this. Um, so next week, 
uh, is our final podcast. And so I encourage you to tune in. Then we'll be talking to Christopher Williams, uh, particularly about his music and his most recent project, We Will Remember. Uh, if you're new to Midtown Creve Hall and you'd like to connect more, if you have questions about Jesus, you have questions about faith, if you have questions about community, uh, would very much invite you to visit midtownfellowship.org slash creve dash hall. Happy Advent, everybody.